Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. We continue with the study from where we left last week. And um, there are portions of scripture that... Um, you know, you get into and you wonder what the writer was thinking when he wrote. There's a part when, uh, you know, after Paul writing a letter, the apostle Peter was saying, hey, what our brother Paul wrote in this other one, <laughs> it is very hard to understand. He's a pretty technical guy. And then him also, he writes something here today that is, has troubled many people and many theologians, and that is why most of the time we say there are things that we'll have to, you know, take them by faith and ask the Lord to reveal to us bit by bit as we indulge in studying his word. We are in First uh, Peter chapter 3 from verses 8 onwards. And this subject of suffering, it is resurfacing again. It is coming up again. And I believe, and I know many of us, we do not like to suffer. We don't like going through hard times. And so when the uh, writer is writing every time and in exhorting us to suffer, you wonder what they're thinking. But we can title it today that suffering in Christ, not just suffering for the sake of any other thing, and that will help our minds to be settled. He says here, after we talked about, you know, wives being submissive to their own husbands and their husbands, likewise dwelling with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers might not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, tender-hearted, be courteous, nor returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. 
and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer, and you should suffer, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the Spirit in prison, who formerly were disobedient and once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Now, I'm always amazed with this man that God used at this time, the how they, they're writing in the issues that they are addressing. So this is, it is tied to the men honoring their wives and the wives submitting, and now is coming to the collective responsibility of each one of us, the husband and the wife and the rest of us, really. So finally, after listening to what he says, say, finally, all of you be of one mind. Be like-minded. Live in harmony. Because it is harmony that will cause your prayers, the both of you, to be hard. 
It is this like-mindedness that will cause the man to honor the wife, that will cause the wife to submit to their own husbands. It is this like-mindedness that will cause that to happen. This is basically is telling, you know, as the, especially the couples, you know, to clothe ourselves with these things. Be, number one, be like-minded. Number two, be compassionate. That is, being sympathetic with the other. And in the original usage of this word, from the Greek people, meant to suffer or feeling the pain together. So in other words, you say, hey, you guys be like-minded and also when suffering comes, suffer together. <laughs> oh, man. Those who are not married yet, <laughs> there's a good news for you, right? When you're planning to enjoy marriage, we are also warning you and exhorting you that in the future, you will do what? <laughs> Suffer together. Amen? Suffering in the Lord. Be compassionate. Be sympathetic with one another. And then the third thing he mentioned is brotherly love. And this means to be friendly to one another. Wish one another well. Be the associate of one another. Be friends. Be friends. You, you will hear many stories of, you know, those who are married say, hey, this thing started as just normal friendship. And sometimes we can see things from a distance like, hey, you guys, a thing, something going on. Like, no, we are just friends. We know it. <laughs> just friends, theology. We have mastered that. We know it. We're just friends. It is good. Yeah, it is good for you to be friends. Because when hard times comes, people normally confide in their friends. And we will also exhort you for the men who are not married. Don't make a lady your best friend. So that when you have issues, that is where you're running. To put your head on her for solace. Now, for the lady, your best friend is not a man. Because now when you start to go and, you know, men sometimes they sympathize with ladies a little bit more, you know. When it's a man to a man, will be tough. We'll tell you things the way they're supposed to. When it's a lady, you'll tend to be soft, okay? And that will be so attractive to the lady and they'll be drawn to you day by day. If they can confide to you, they'll be drawn to you. So be warned. And you, my name is Devi and my best friend is, <laughs> is Mary. No. But for those who are married, this brotherly love is encouraged so that when there is hard times or when hard times comes in you, 
Remember to be friendly to one another. Wish your partner well. Wish them well. Be the associate of the other. Work together as a family. And the fourth thing he mentioned is to be pitiful. That means to act well towards another. Be kind to one another. These are all clothes for the couples to um, be clothed. And even all of us, as we are learning through God's word, we need to be kind to one another. And the other one is to be cautious. Be cautious. Be cautious. Uskwem katiaji, be cautious. Right? Be cautious. Humbling yourself to one another. Wanting the very best for the other. Or the other versions would say, lowly minded towards one another. And the reason why he's saying all these things is because all are called to inherit a blessing together. We are all called to inherit a blessing together. Be compassionate for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Wow. You were called to inherit a blessing from our Heavenly Father. Think about that. When you're treating each other well, you're actually doing God's will here on earth. You're doing God's will. He said that that is, you know, think about, don't always get busy thinking about yourself, thinking about yourself. You're selfish. You know, everything is centered on you. Everything is how I want it, how I, I want this to be done, that to be done, how they should serve me, how they should do this. No. The greatest amongst you is the one who does what? serves. Think about it like the two people who are married competing in serving one another. The wife is busy serving the husband and the husband is busy serving the wife. Think about that. And those who are not married, they're busy serving each other as the Lord has led them to. Serving one another. What a great blessing. What a great blessing. Be courteous. Humble yourselves. And then now we come to the next part. By saying we'll inherit a, a blessing, it says, For he who would love life and seek good days, let him refrain from his tongue from evil. Okay, so these are instruction 
for better life. Instructions for better life. Number one, refrain. Refrain. What does that mean? It's no longer stirred up by sins, incitements, and seductions. Refrain yourself from sinful behaviors. If you're looking forward to living a good life and you want to see better days ahead of you, refrain yourself from sinful behaviors and sin's seductions. Because they are always at our eyes. We, we see them every day. We see things. We desire things. And we want to indulge in things that we ought not to. Why? Because our flesh, our flesh wants them. Do you know the reason why we normally sin every other time? It's because we love our sins. We love our sins. That is why we will continue sinning. And the writer of Hebrews says these words, that we have not resisted to the point of what? Shedding blood. We haven't resisted to that point, man. We have given in. Given in to the enemy's seductions. He's incited us to do things and we have gladly gone his way. We are doing his will above the will of God. So, if you want to see better life, you refrain yourself from sins, incitements, and seduction. Number two, you turn away. That basically means you repent from your evil deeds. Repent. He says, let him turn away and do good. Turn away. That is the basic understanding of what repentance is. You're making a turn. You are going this direction and you're saying, because God has changed my life, this is my direction. And I'm not going to be ashamed of being a Christian. I'm not going to be ashamed being called a Christian. Because being a Christian, living a life of a Christian is hard out there. I mean, we were traveling with my wife to Uganda back and forth. And man, the, the people never help one another again. You're asking someone to show you where a washroom is and they want money for it. You ask them for an office, they want money for it. The police are stopping you for no reason and they want money. Say, so, no, this is no bribe. We just, you know, give us kitu kidogo. Still the same thing. <laughs> no one wants to help. It's like people are feeling good when they will find you in a fault. 
Why? That is why our police, many of them, both in Kenya, Uganda, and many other places, they'll, they'll say, you know, they have hidden cameras. Hidden cameras. So that what will happen? They'll find you. Okay? They're hiding so that they'll find you. I mean, if, you, if it's genuine, put it on the highway. <laughs> why are you hiding it? Because you want, you're using it for other things. Turn away. Refrain and then turn away. And then thirdly, seek. That is, in order to find out, by thinking, by meditating, by reasoning and inquiring, seek. Strive after. Say, turn away from evil and do what? Do good. And seek peace and pursue it. You want to see better life? You seek peace. And just remember that you cannot receive peace minus God. So if you are to experience any sort of peace, you got to find it in Christ. Strive after, inquire, indulge in finding out what God is uh, speaking to you after you have repented. And then, number four, do right. Why? Because the Lord is watching. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. <laughs> do right. Don't, don't just do right when people are around you. Do right even in your secret. Do right everywhere. Why? Because the Lord is watching. He's everywhere. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. You cannot hide anything. So do right because the Lord is watching. Remembering this, number five, that God answers prayers. Be encouraged. You want better life? Remember this, that God answers prayers. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God answers prayers. Not just the prayers you prayed yesterday or the other day or today or the ones you'll make tomorrow. God answers prayers. There are some things you might not see today. It does not mean that he's not mindful about them. But his right time is the best. He knows when he's supposed to do that. Sometimes you'll have to wait for him. Sometimes he will answer it immediately. 
God answers prayers. But this warning continues. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's against those who do evil. So refrain yourself from it. Turn away and seek the Lord and do right. And remember that God answers prayers. And this other part again that we go into. From verses 13. The idea is acknowledging God. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? If God is for you, who can be against you? And so he's saying, hey, who can harm you if you're doing good? Who? But even, okay, there's a clause, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. <laughs> this is the peak of the message. If you are to suffer for righteousness' sake, you are what? You're blessed. You're blessed. This is totally contradicting the messages that we hear from other people. That when they mean, you know, they speak about blessing, they mean, you know, you're having a good life out there. You know, you have the things you need. You have a vehicle. You have a, a pretty wife, a husband that is handsome. You have, you know, land and you, you know, they always see you at the mall every time, not Kibandaski. And then they will say, ah, this man is blessed. This man, you know, we have people who are stress eaters, right? When they're stressful, they will eat and they will add a lot of weight. And then you go out and people say, hey, look at him. Look at her. They've added some weight. They are blessed. <laughs> Do you know for real? This person is a stress eater. Now, the Bible says right here, but even if you should suffer, for what? For righteousness' sake, you are what? You're blessed. Good news. You're blessed. So don't see people going through hard times and say, hey, they have, God has forsaken these people. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats. Nor be troubled. But you do what? Number one, how you acknowledge God in this section. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. That is to separate from profane things and dedicate yourself to God. 
Separate yourself from things and people who will cause you to deviate from the cause of the gospel. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. We might not see what is going on in your heart, but when you do so, the overflowing fruit of the people who love God, it will flow and it will affect the people around you. I normally say that Christians and the people who really, they confuse the world or the enemy also. Why? Because you'll see people going through hard times and they're still smiling about it. (laughs) It's weird what happens. You're going through tough times, but you're the first person who is busy encouraging people to follow the Lord. Quite amazing. Sanctify the Lord in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So the other thing is being ready to testify. Always be ready to testify of what God's God's faithfulness and also joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. This is the verse that is used for apologetics, that always be ready, okay? Be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have, the hope for the future, the hope that you have received, the testimony of Christ in your life. Always be ready, always be ready. And when you're doing that, don't do that with arrogance. Do that with what? With meekness and fear, the fear of the Lord. Having what? Having good conscience. That when they defame you, As evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So this testimony of doing good, of setting apart Christ in your heart and giving a defense of this hope, you know, people will try as much as they can to try to defeat it. But oh well. If you conduct yourself well in Christ, these people, they will be ashamed. Have a good conscience about all these things. Good conscience. And then this other part from verse 17, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You'd rather suffer doing good than doing evil. 
For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom he also went and preached to the Spirit in prison. This verse has brought a lot of trouble. And as I'm reading it to you, I'm not promising you that I am understanding this verse fully. I'm still searching. This man, whatever he was writing, I don't know what he was thinking. But as we are talking about, you know, the suffering of Jesus Christ, there, there are four things, again, I want us to put across for the the, the, the last verses that will help us probably to understand the reason why Jesus suffered. And before that, I want to read you a comment by this guy called Peter Krift. He says this, Suppose you are the devil. And I don't know, many of you probably don't want to do that, you know. Don't think of yourself as the devil. But anyway, suppose you were the devil. You are the enemy of God, and you want to kill him. But you can't. However, he has this ridiculous weakness of creating and loving human beings. whom you can get at at any time, okay? So you, you are unable to get at him. But ridiculously, he's created human beings and he loves them. And this, these are the only people you can get at. Say, so, aha, now you've got hostages. You simply come down into the world Corrupt humankind, drag some of them to hell. And when God sent prophets to enlighten them, you kill the prophets. Then God does the most foolish things of all. He sends his only son. And he plays by the rules of the world. And you say to yourself, I can't believe he's that stupid. Love has ailed his brain. All I have to do is to inspire some of my agents. That is Herod, Pilate, Caiaphas, the Roman soldiers, and get him crucified. And that's why, and that's what you do. So, there he hangs on the cross, forsaken by man and seemingly by God, bleeding to death and crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What do you feel now as the devil? <laughs> you feel triumph and vindication. But of course, you couldn't be more wrong. 
This is the supreme triumph and your supreme defeat. He stuck his heel into your mouth and you beat it and that blood destroys you. Wow. Now, if this occurrence is not unique, perhaps it points out that when we suffer and bleed, it is God's way of defeating Satan all over again. Most of the well-known Christians in history seem to say that you've grown closest to God when you have suffered the most. The Apostle Paul stated, For we are alive and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. That is 2 Corinthians 4.11. What a story by this guy. <laughs> that he, the enemy thinks that because you know, I cannot get at God. And God is ridiculously making people, and he loves them so much. So what do I do? Let me get to the people that he loves. And that is what the enemy does. Gets to the people that God loves and try to destroy their lives because he cannot come close to God. And he's thrown a lot of spells to people. He's, you know, encouraging us to indulge in sin and to do his will above the will of God. And when he thought he's triumphed against God, that was his downfall. The blood that he thought would run out of Christ's body and get him finished. The same blood got him finished and restored us back to the Father. So number one, Jesus' crucifixion shows purpose. No one has ever experienced suffering like our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered that he might bring us back to God. The worst thing that happened became the best thing that could have happened. So his crucifixion shows purpose. It was purposeful for him to die. And number two, Jesus' resurrection shows permanence. Why? Because he will not die again. He will not die again. And number three, Jesus' proclamation shows planning. Now this part, as I was saying earlier, is one of the hardest parts. And it's one of the uh, verses that the Roman Catholic used for, you know, the purgatory theology, kind of. Saying that, you know, Jesus went 
and preach to those spirits so that they will see heaven again. <laughs> we do not see that being talked about in any other parts of the scriptures. By whom he also went and preached to the Spirit. Let's try to read it slowly so that we can get a bit of a context of what it's saying so that as you go home, you go think about it. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. So the question is, what are the spirits and what is this prison? Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Now he's, he's speaking about the spirits who are in prison, but he is also dating them back to the event that happened during the time of Noah. Okay, you remember what happened during the time of Noah. Noah, the Bible calls him the preacher of righteousness. And being a preacher of righteousness, he preached for over 120 years without other external people getting born again except only eight people who are mentioned here. That is his family alone. So those are the people who did not yield to the gospel, they died in their disobedience to the call of God. And they were, they were imprisoned by their rebellion. And he tells us here that who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering, God waited for a long time for these people to receive him, but they did not. They did not. Only a few were saved. So whatever things I will say, I'm still speculating about it. That probably... This period of time when our Lord Jesus Christ was laid at the tomb and his spirit went to the depths, he went and proclaimed his freedom, proclaimed freedom not for those people to be born again, but to tell them that, hey, you people really never listened to the gospel when it was preached because you know, he told you that, hey, God will destroy the earth with rain, but because you never saw it coming from above, the earth was just watered from beneath, you did not believe. 
Now I have come from above to tell you that this was indeed true and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. I'm just speculating. This is hard for me to think about, to, to process it. But what I know at the end, that Jesus' exaltation shows power. See, he's gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of God. The right hand normally means a place of power as I bring the worship team to come. He's seated at the right hand of God Almighty and he's powerful. And you know, I was, when I was reading and preparing this, I was, I was reading many parts and I'm like, where? Where? You know, this is our normal phrase as Kenyans. Where? Where? This is tough. Where? How did you think about this? Where? You know, this is the where moment. Thinking about all these things. But, you know, it, it, it is amazing how these few verses... He was talking about the relationship of a husband and a wife and all of us included. And he's bringing all this good life in the middle. That means to us, for those who are married, your, your marriage is theology 101. Your marriage should preach to the world, should speak about Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. Let them see your life and glorify our Heavenly Father. That is why in this church we encourage people to get married so that you will experience theology faster. It's not like when you're not, you cannot experience God. No, you will. And you will. I wish you guys knew how wonderful marriage is. And I don't know what you guys are waiting for. Oh, I got no chums. I got no money. Oh, I don't know what my parents will say about this. Oh, my friends got married when they had this and that. So I'm trying to get to that level so that I will get married perhaps. Who told you your wife is looking for those things? There are people who are married and, you know, their husbands have a lot of money and their wives and their children are suffering because there's no relationship. They only think, you know, for me to be a good father is to give them food and money and pay school fees and that's all. They, they, if those things don't exist, will you still be a good father? Because we don't see that category in the Bible that if you want to be a good father, you know, make sure your kids have gone to school, they have, you know, all these pleasures of the world. Of course, you're called to provide for your family. But provision is not limited to a lot of money, a lot of big houses. If I don't get nothing else today, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, and for sure I am. If my car breaks down and it never works, 
I am blessed. Why? Because I, I have a heavenly father who has the tendency, as that guy says, of loving. He has the tendency of loving his people and I am one of them. God loves me. And my family cares about me and I care about them. It matters to me that way. Lord, we thank you for these words that you have written. But many of the times we don't understand. But we are asking your Holy Spirit to enlighten us. It causes us to understand these mysteries as we expound on them, as we read on them. This is your word, and we are your people. And as we seek to know you, God, please reveal yourself to us. We want to know you. We want to know you, God. You gave yourself for us. And right now, as we continue our worship service with our finances, we pray that we'll give what is glorifying to you. So we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718 0-1-2-4-9-6. See you next time.